In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly, or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry hunger no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. Upon them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked will be silenced in darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be shattered. He will thunder against them from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. This is the word of the Lord. How are we doing? Do you want me to go ahead or just wait? <laughs> so, a few technical problems this morning, I think. Shame. Well, I'll, I'll go ahead, shall I? And uh, if people are watching online, they'll just have to catch up a little bit later. So, let's pray, shall we? Father, we pray for the technology that that would come together so that those at home are able to take part. We thank you for that technology. And we pray now that these characters in the book of Samuel might teach us again in a fresh way about your faithfulness, Lord, and about how we might behave and how we might live. In Jesus' name, amen. That was interesting to see that Bible project video because it's such an overarching story, but probably most of us only know small snippets of that story so there'll be some that you'll be familiar with, some that you won't be familiar with. And we're going to start today with the, book of, uh, the story of Hannah and her life. And she is the crucial starting point. It's a very personal story, and it's one that you might be familiar with. She was married to a man called Elkanah, part of a faithful family. She was the first of two wives. So her second, the second wife was called Penina. And it has a personal tragedy in this story because Penina was able to have children, but Hannah wasn't. And this was devastating for her. She had to suffer her personal sorrow, but also the general judgment of society. And then on top of that, very spiteful, deliberate treatment by wife number two, Penina, who was taking no, every opportunity to, to rub her face in it. Her husband did try to support her, but with limited effect. And obviously this is a painful issue for people today as well. And we can't do the subject justice in the context of this series, but there's a website that Aidan recommends, and he, Aidan has spoken about this before, about the issue of, of childlessness. And the website is called saltwaterandhoney.org, 
So you might want to look that up, but also do ask to pray with somebody if this is something that affects you. So Hannah and her family went up to Shiloh for an annual religious festival. And the pain of not having children was particularly acute for Hannah at this time. And I'm sure people who are listening will understand that, that in a religious festival, such as today, Christmas and Easter, it's particularly painful not to have children if you wanted them. So she is desperate, crying, she can't eat, she's so upset. I'm sure she would have been diagnosed with depression if she was around today. And I'm just going to read you part of the story. So they've arrived at this festival. Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk, and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. So in Hannah's distress, she poured out her heart to God in prayer. She says, I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. So it's clear that Hannah had a personal faith in God. She felt able to be honest and authentic with him. She wasn't worried about what she looked or sounded like. Hence, Eli thinking that she was drunk. She also bargained with God. Give me a son and I'll dedicate him to you. Is it good to bargain with God? I don't know. Maybe not. But I think he would rather that we did that than that we didn't turn to him in times of distress. And there could be people here today. Some of us here today may well have started coming to church because we made a bargain with God make me better and I'll start coming to church. There's nothing wrong in that because the point is that you're here. So Hannah explains in a very dignified way what was going on, that she was pouring out her heart to God. And Eli, who doesn't really come out of these stories very well, um, finally gives her his blessing. He says, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. Now, the next bit is, she says, May your servant find favour in your eyes. She went her way, ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. It's quite interesting. Hannah has poured her heart out to the Lord fully, and now she's reached a place of faithfulness and trust. And so she washes her face, if you like, she puts on a brave face, and she goes back to the feast. She's not continually worrying and chewing over the same thing. And I guess she was showing her faithfulness and trust in response to God's. And I really struggle with this because we're told to be persistent in prayer, aren't we? And to keep praying. 
but we're also told not to worry. And I know for me, sometimes what I feel might be persistence in prayer is really just transferring into worry. I'm, I'm doing what I call worry praying, where I'm not really giving it to God. I'm just chewing over the same thing over and over again and not finding any peace about it. But Hannah seems to have known that peace, that she let it all out to God, and then she left it with him. I'm sure she came back to pray many times again, but she didn't have a sort of continually worried feel about it. She was able to find peace. So God's faithfulness to Hannah was then mirrored in her faithful response. And remember, this is before she knew that he was definitely going to grant her what she wanted, which was a son. So God's faithfulness is mirrored in Hannah's faithful response. And those of you who know the story will know that she does go home from the festival and she does get pregnant and she does have a son. So she was very blessed that the specific thing that she asked for, uh, God was able to grant her. And she kept her promise. Samuel was born and she dedicated him back to the Lord. We learn that she took him back to the temple as soon as he was weaned and she put him under Eli's tutelage and he grew up in a temple. And that meant that she would only see him once a year. And another bit of the story that we haven't had time to read, but you need to go and look at, it says how every year they'd go up to the festival and she'd make him another outfit. Uh, and basically it had to last him the whole year. So I'm guessing it was pretty long-sleeved and draping on the ground at the beginning of the year. And then as he grew a bit bigger, he, he kind of grew into it. Um, so that by the time she came the next year, he, he still had something he could wear. So she poured out her heart to God uh, with her hopes and desires. And then when he granted her what she wanted, she poured out her gratitude. God was faithful. And so Hannah was grateful and faithful back. Now, it's a very odd thing for our culture, isn't it? To imagine a child going away when they were so young and being put in the charge of an elderly, uh, an elderly priest. But anyway, the point was she poured out the most precious thing that she had. It reminds me of the woman who broke the perfume over Jesus' feet, pouring out the most precious thing that she had. Well, we don't need Hannah anymore. She's given Israel this wonderful son, Samuel, who grows up to be a priest and a prophet and a mentor and a kingmaker. So surely we don't need to worry about her anymore. The, the woman's done her job. But no, we have this wonderful prayer or song of Hannah's, which was read to us. And it's a prayer of great passion and joy. She was obviously a really praying woman. And she describes her joy at the fact that God has given her what she asked for. I'm just going to read verses 1 to 3 again. Then Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn and my strength is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord, no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance, for the Lord is a God who knows. So we see gratitude at receiving what she asked for. She says, I delight in your deliverance. Yes, she also wants to gloat over her enemy, Penina. You can kind of understand that. She says, my mouth boasts over my enemies. But also, this phrase in verse 3, the Lord is a God who knows. She was not forgotten by God, even when she was suffering. 
and she chose to name her child Samuel, meaning God hears. And that really encapsulates Hannah's story, that she discovers that he is a God who knows and a God who hears. She's not forgotten by God. And for me, realizing that God knew me was the moment at which I realized I could trust him and, and put my faith in him as a Christian. I suddenly realized one day from what somebody said that God knows me and God knows all of you as well. And so you can put your trust in him. You can trust somebody who knows you. You're going to have to think about that while I take some water. I've got a bit of a sore throat. He is a God who knows. In this prayer of Hannah's, we also have a real outpouring of joy because she has given in such a costly manner back to God. And it's those who give what they have who know true joy, isn't it? Not those who hold on to all that they have. That's why Jesus was so sad about that rich young man who went away because he couldn't give away his wealth. And lastly, in that prayer of Hannah's, which you can look at again in your own time, it starts off as our own personal prayer of thanks, but it turns into a prophecy, really, about how God is going to work in the lives of Israel, um, but also the coming of the Messiah, Jesus, the ultimate expression of God's faithfulness. So what can we take away from Hannah's story? <clears throat> well, it would be great if we could pray like Hannah. I wonder when you last poured out your heart to God. Maybe it was about something very personal, a work situation, a family situation, or some injustice or suffering that you're concerned about. Even if you struggle to find the right words or struggle to understand what God is doing, I'd encourage you to pour out your heart to him. Be authentic in bringing him your emotions because God can only deal with the person that you are not the person that you think you should be. So don't just tell him what you think he wants to hear. Don't assume he's too busy. Don't be afraid that when you start, you might not be able to stop and your anger might be directed at God. Don't be afraid that he will let you down. Let it out and then write down what you prayed so that you can refer back. and then trust him. Do the equivalent of what Hannah did, washing her face, eating something, going about her day, confident that he heard you. The first Bible verse I ever learnt was this, Psalm 37 verse five, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. And this relationship with God, about God being faithful and us responding, is not just a, a static thing, it's a, a cycle, a learning cycle. It's a relationship. God is faithful, we respond with gratitude, and then we feel able to trust him. We pour out our hearts to him. We see that he's faithful, so we trust him with something more. And we'll get greater gratitude and greater strength and greater trust and so on. It's a cycle, it's a relationship of faithfulness and trust and gratitude. Now we know that God doesn't always grant what we want and what we ask for. 
and we, we struggle with that as a congregation together and as individuals, and we always will. But the point is that the more we ask God for stuff, the more that we'll see and be able to lean on his faithfulness. My son Johnny turned 21 this week, and Susie, somewhere over there, Susie drew him a book. Uh, she sketched some pictures of scenes of you know, brother and sister having fun together. Now, she could have posted it to him last week, so he got it on his birthday, but she didn't. She's going to give it to him tomorrow, so don't say anything, because he doesn't know about it. Um, she's going to give it to him tomorrow because she wants to be there when he opens it. Not because she wants to be thanked, but because she wants to see his, his reaction, his gratitude, but also they can have fun together, reminiscing about some of those events, can't they? And that feels to me like a picture of the relationship God wants to have with us, that he longs to, to give us the heart's desire, and he longs to have that relationship with us. So he wants us to trust in him, to ask him for stuff. He wants us to be grateful, and, and he wants to enjoy our joy when he can give us our heart's desires. It's a relationship to be treasured. So the story of 1 and 2 Samuel in this series that we're going to look at operates on a macro level, but also a very personal one. It teaches us about God, and it teaches us about ourselves and how we can behave. So enjoy it. See the hand of God at work in the working of his purposes for mankind, but also in his personal care for you and me and the people that we pray for. So I'm going to invite the musicians up to, to play a song for us, which has the line, you've not forgotten us, which seems really key. Remember Hannah, understanding that God knows her. The Lord is a God who knows. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who's not forgotten us, you're a God who knows. You are a faithful God. We give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>